Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. Well, we've got two. In Game 1, it's the Guardians 6, the Texas Rangers 3. In Game 2, it's the Texas Rangers 6, the Guardians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And oh, the beautiful springtime weather here in Cleveland allowed us to have another doubleheader a doubleheader that was even delayed a little bit because of rain. Um, and, you know, it turns out to be two really weird, interesting games with, uh, you know, a lot of stuff going on in certain categories and then not a lot of stuff going on in other categories. I mean, basically the storylines of this these two games were home runs, stolen bases, home runs mostly by Texas, uh, stolen bases, uh, base running in general, and then Marcus Simeon. I mean, those were the storylines of these games. Uh, so let's get into it. Let's talk in detail because, I mean, I, frankly, you'd be blown away to know how many stolen bases there were on the day in game one. The Guardians, and you know what? I'm mad at StatCast. I'm mad. We're, we spend so much time on the StatCast website uh, looking up the data on these games. And there's really nothing on here for base running. I mean, they don't even put stolen bases in their box score, which is weird. How would you not put stolen bases in your box score? Uh, there's a few things that are missing that are always good to have the MLB app open and running on my phone. So Amon Rosario steals two bases. Mercado steals. Straw steals two bases. Jose Ramirez steals a base. That's all in the first game. Meanwhile, on the Rangers' side, Simeon and Garcia both steal bases off of Quantrill and Hedges. That's just in game one. Then in game two, the Texas Rangers really start running. Um, I mean, Maley cannot control the running game at all. Haim has a stolen base. White has two stolen bases. Simeon has a stolen base in game two for the Rangers. None, unfortunately. No stolen bases for the Guardians. Frankly, they didn't have that many base runners. They didn't have enough people on base to frankly be stealing and stuff like that. However, there was some crafty base running, um, you know, in these games here by the Guardians, even if they weren't technically stealing bases. Um, and then the power. I mean, the my God, the Rangers, in game one, you know, they try to mount a little bit of a comeback here. Um, they end up hitting two home runs late in the game. It was a 6-1 game. They make it a 6-3 game. Actually, they make it a 5-3 game. Uh, we're able to scratch across another run late in this game. Uh, Oscar Mercado actually uh, pinch hitting or pinch running for Oscar Gonzalez is able to do some things here in the seventh inning to scratch across that insurance run. But the Rangers use their power to try to get back in this game. The Guardians do it all with base hits. They do no home runs on the day despite some deep shots you'll see from the Guardians here. No home runs. And then game two, I mean, the Rangers just explode. Simeon with two home runs on the day. Haim has a home run. Nathaniel Lowe has a home run. Uh, it's just, yeah, it is a power uh, display by the Texas Rangers. And you heard them talk. Whatever broadcast you were listening to, I'm sure they talked about this. The Texas Rangers are now fifth in baseball in home runs with 70 home runs. By the way, your Guardians are down at 25th in baseball with only 43 home runs. And then stolen bases. This is what Texas does. 49 stolen bases leads all of Major League Baseball. Guardians not too shabby in this. They come in 7th with 34 stolen bases. Now, it's interesting that Texas hits so many more home runs 
But Cleveland is slightly better in team OPS. I mean, we're 19th in baseball at 694. The Rangers are 21st at 680. Why? Because the Guardians get on base. The Rangers have the third worst on-base percentage of all of baseball. They're 28th in baseball and on-base percentage at 293. Um, So, yeah, so the Guardians, you know, have a completely different offensive philosophy right now. By the way, jumping through all these team stats, I just thought this one was crazy. I got to shout. It has nothing to do with these games. But the Boston Red Sox are leading Major League Baseball in doubles with 141. The next closest is the Atlanta Braves at 110. They've got 31 more doubles than anybody in baseball. Your Cleveland Guardians checking at 19th here at 85. Texas Rangers are dead last at 66. They hit that many home runs, but I mean, they're down almost 80 doubles to the Boston Red Sox. That's crazy. Um, So yeah, so let's, all right. So that's the big overarching storylines of these games. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Let's get into the details. Game one, um, top of the first, the, uh, the Rangers actually come across and score a run in the top of the first. Frankly, I thought it was just a really, they, they get two singles off of Quantrill to start the game. And then, you know, this is Simeon and Seager leading things off. The two big money free agents that the Rangers went out and got to kind of boost this offense, give this offense a jolt. It hasn't worked up until last night. Uh, I mean, Simeon was sitting on three home runs coming into this after, you know, a season where he uh, he goes off and uh, hits how many home runs from Toronto last year? 45 home runs for Toronto last year and 102 RBIs. Uh, that was coming off a down 2020 season, but a big 2019 season where he hit 33 home runs and 92 RBIs. So he's proven he could do it, but he was sitting at only three RB, uh, three home runs going into this game. And uh, so, but they get singles to lead off the game, singles from Simeon and Seeger. And then, you know, a slow developing double play that could have gotten Quantrill out of the inning. It's just everything was slow. The chopper hit by um, by Cole Calhoun was slow. The turn by Nagler from at first was slow. The turn by Amin Rosario at second back to first was slow. And uh, it ends up going for a uh, fielder's choice and an RBI to get the Rangers on the board in the first inning. The Guardians would answer back in the bottom of the second with their own. The Guardians really do a good job putting together rallies in the second and third inning, really taking control of this game. And I love that Oscar Gonzalez is in the heart of both of these rallies with doubles. I mean, they walk Naylor. Gonzalez hits a double into the left field corner, 98.4 mile power, exit velocity. Andres Jimenez would draw a walk, and then Quan would get the job done with a sack fly. Bases loaded. He puts one out there into the center field. A sack fly brings in Naylor. Uh, and then in the third inning, a walk again would kick things off for the rally. So, you know, it's a bad job by the Rangers starter, Gray, who they said had come off a great start. He was in double-digit strikeout strikeouts his start before. And then in this one, he's not getting it done. Four walks on the day is going to cost him here. He walks Miles Straw to kick off the third. Ahmed Rosario would single. Uh, he would strike out Ramirez. He would strike out Ramirez. But Owen Miller with runners on second and third. Miles Straw had gone first to third and Ahmed Rosario single. Ahmed Rosario had stole while Ramirez was up. So they're sitting on second and third. And then Owen Miller shoots a single back up the middle. It's some nice base hitting. 
and good base running from Ahmed Rosario. He steals a base here, and he's able to score from second, just flying around the bags. I love, you know, I love when Ahmed Rosario is running the bases. Now, with that being said, he had some pretty bad defensive plays in this game. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a little bit of a give and a take with Ahmed Rosario. I wish there was another spot on this field. I agree with you. I wish there was another spot on this field where we could fit Ahmed Rosario in because it's not working as this team's shortstop. We've got other candidates for the position. But they just have nowhere else to put him right now. And they have nothing to do with them. And they don't want to lose his bat. And they can't seem to figure it out. So Ahmed Rosario was stuck playing a bad shortstop. But, you know, he keeps producing on offense. They're going to keep looking the other way, I guess. They've shown no signs of wanting to hand that job to anybody else. Namely, Andres Jimenez. Um, But Ahmed Rosario, his speed here, he scores on Owen Miller. Then Naylor ropes a double into the corner. And then refuses to slide into second base. Uh, Naylor refuses to slide into any base at this point, and frankly, it looks really painful watching him decelerate. Uh, Manning said the same thing on the broadcast. Like, watching Naylor stop at these bags looks really painful, so you gotta wonder what kind of condition that leg is in right now. Um, he just cannot, he, he doesn't want to slide. He's afraid to go down and slide. Um so, yeah, so he gets a double. And then Oscar Gonzalez matches him with a 105.4 mile per hour shot over the left fielder's head. Um, left fielder definitely took a bad step in uh, and just gets blown away. That'd be Steel Walker out there in left field. And Naylor comes in to score. So, again, Gonzalez in the middle of this rally here. That would be where the rally ends. Uh, Gonzalez would get to third, but Quan would line out to first baseman Nathaniel Lowe. Uh, and that would end things for the Guardians. But they put across a lot of runs in that third inning. They're up 5-1, and they gave Quantrill a nice cushion who would just start racking up ground ball outs. I mean, it's insanity how many ground ball outs uh, Quantrill racks up. Now, it's weird because on the box score, they've got Quantrill credited for 14 ground outs and zero flyouts. But that's not the whole truth. He gave up what they're considering line outs to center field and to right field. Some really hard hit balls. Remember, Straw makes a sliding catch out there in center field. Center field defense should be the other storyline of the day in this one. Because um, he gives out, he gives up, a, a, a makes an out out there in center field, a sliding catch that's considered a line out. So in the box score, it doesn't get marked down as a fly out. So they're telling me that the Guardians pitchers recorded 18 ground outs and zero flyouts, and that's not that's not the whole truth. There was also a pop-out. Um, so, yeah, so it's a little bit interesting that the box score here, if you're going to simplify things to ground outs and flyouts, you would think that lineouts to the outfield would count as flyouts, but I guess not if you're reading the box score. Um, but, yeah, still 18 ground outs on the day. Just good stuff from Quantrill. A solid start. Seven innings pitched. He gives up eight hits, three earned runs, a walk, and three strikeouts. He does give up the two home runs. Um, and two home runs were interesting. The one to steal Walker, his first major league hit, was a first pitch changeup that he just jumps on. So, uh, you know, first pitch just trying to throw that changeup for a strike. Probably wasn't worrying too much about the location. Thought the speed was going to do most of the work for him. And Steele Walker was ready for it, hits it for a home run. And then the one to Simeon 
was up and in. It was a, a fastball, I believe, up and in, and he just turned on it. And it would be that kind of day for Marcus Simeon. I mean, he goes three for four in this game with two runs, a home run, and on the RBI, obviously, on the solo home run, three hard hit balls on the day. And then in game two, he goes four for four on the day with two home runs, two runs, and two RBIs because they were two solo home runs and a walk with three more hard hit balls on the day. So Simeon was just, I mean, he throws him a fastball kind of up and in, and he just gets those hands through and drives it. We would see in game two, the power would come from down and in, in game two. And that's where Simeon has had success. Going back to that 2021 season where he hit 40-plus home runs, uh, yeah, his, his slugging percentage down and in was 960. His ISO down and in, isolated power numbers, was 560 from down and in. And it wasn't too shabby from up and in either. Um, so yeah, so definitely Simeon likes it middle of the plate or in. He can handle that. Outside of the plate is where you want it. If you want to stay away from Simeon's power, you go outside edge on him. Um, so yeah, the uh, Guardians learned that lesson the hard way, giving up three home runs on the day to Simeon. But they come out with the win here in game one. Uh, after those two home runs, they put across an insurance run in the seventh, and you give Mercado credit here. Oscar Gonzalez gets things started by uh, you know reaching on a fielding error in the seventh here, and so he gets himself on base. This is with two outs, by the way. Uh, reaches on a throwing error by Andy Ibanez at third base. They bring in Mercado to pinch run, which Gonzalez runs pretty well. I, I you know. But I guess they thought that Mercado gives them a little bit more of an edge. And frankly, this is actually the right call from Francona. I, I can't fault him for this one because Mercado steals second base. Then Jimenez chops one up the middle that Simeon makes an error on. And while Simeon's distracted with, hey, I just let this ball hit off the heel of my glove and didn't field it cleanly, Mercado never stops running. And he's able to score. The pitcher's reacting. He's yelling throw home. Uh, and Mercado just... Absolutely flies around third base. Sauerbaugh is throwing up the stop sign, but nope. Sometimes as a runner, you just get it in your head, and you just you kind of do the math in your head and go, yeah, I've got this base. This this base is mine. This There's no way this guy is going to pick up this ball and throw me out. And so he does the math in his head and realizes if I keep running, I got an easy run here, and that's exactly what happens. Simeon can't even get the ball. You know, he doesn't even make a good throw to home plate because um, he's so caught off guard. So Mercado absolutely steals, uh, steals second base and then steals an insurance run here in the seventh inning. And, of course, the bullpen combination of Eli Morgan and Emmanuel Classe shut things down uh, in the eighth and the ninth inning. Classe racks up two strikeouts. Eli Morgan, I believe he does it on three ground outs uh, in that eighth inning. Yes, Colquhoun, Huff, and Lowe all ground out in that eighth inning. Once again, people were talking, you know, would Eli Morgan maybe get that spot start because of the doubleheader? Um, I was like, no, you've got to leave this guy in the bullpen right now. He is too strong of a web. He's your setup man. He is absolutely the setup man right now for the Guardians. No doubt about it. He is getting the eighth inning every time it's a close game. And frankly, if he needs to go into the seventh inning and then finish off the eighth inning, he's getting that too. That is Eli Morgan's role in this team. You will not see Eli Morgan starting probably probably for the rest of the season. Unless things go really sideways, you won't see Eli Morgan starting for the rest of the season. This guy might have carved out a position for himself 
as a an elite setup man right now in baseball. And that's when the Guardians bullpen is doing its best, man. When they've got like three horses that can run in that bullpen, uh, you know, Classe, right now it's uh, Eli Morgan, and you're looking for that third. And Francona is looking, believe me. He is. He's given Stefan opportunities. He's given Henches opportunities. He's given Ghost opportunities. He's looking to see who's going to be that 7-8-9. He wants the 7-8-9. Shaw opportunities. Uh, he's just not finding it right now. Is Karen Check going to come back from his rehab assignment and be that guy? Be that guy that we thought he was going to be? I mean, if it works out, if Karen Check can find it again, if he can figure out how to throw his fastball and his curveball without the sticky stuff, uh, that would be a nasty combination to go 7-8-9 with those guys. So, Guardians get the win in game one. Um, you know, Jose Ramirez doesn't factor much into this. He was absolutely robbed in this game, in both games. He flies out to deep center field twice in the in game one and then flies out to the gaps in game two and is absolutely robbed. In game one, it felt like he was robbed by the baseball more than anything. I mean, Ramirez hit the ball hard. You can't ask for anything more than this. He flew out at 99.1 miles per hour to the wall, 382 to center field. It had a 550 expected batting average. Uh, the next time he would do this, uh, let me find what the exit velocity was here. We got a strikeout. We got a walk. When's the next time Jose's up? 102.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 381 in the sixth inning. It's a 510 expected batting average, and it goes as another flyout. So, yeah, uh, Jose Ramirez just could not win on this day. And then in Game 2, this will be a great transition to jump us over to Game 2. MVP for the day in Game 1. Should we do a Game 1 and a Game 2? Boy, Game 2, there's not going to be many candidates for MVP for the day. So let's just say Game 1, MVP on the day. There's so many people that contributed on offense. It was so spread out. I mean, Ahmed Rosario has the three hits. He has the two stolen bases, but he also has... Some bad defense, so it's hard for me to give it to him. Gonzalez with the two doubles was big on the day. All those stolen bases. I got to give it to Quantrill, though, for just a a rock-solid start. Seven innings, a quality start here. He does get hard hit a bunch, but it's a quality start um, from Quantrill and locks himself down another win. So Quantrill is getting MVP on the day for me. Um, But jumping us over to game two, uh, yeah. Eli White in center field. My God, is that guy good. My God, is that guy. He stole some balls from Jose Ramirez. Now, the second one where he's going in the left center field, that one he looks like he had it all the way. We've talked about this with Straw. Straw, when he made his sliding catch in game one, you could see in his eyes he had it all the way. There there was no concern, no worry that it was going to fall in. He had it tracked. He had it lined up. He knew he was catching that ball. Same thing with Eli White going in the left center field uh, in the middle of game two. In the first inning in game two, I don't know if he thought he had this one. I honestly think he surprised himself because he goes full extension on Jose Ramirez, 102.3 mile per hour, 365 into the gap in right center field, had a 680 expected batting average, and Eli White snares this thing at the top of his glove, at the full extension. Uh, And Jose Ramirez has to be thinking to himself, come on, man. Come on. What do I have to do in this game to get one? 
His line out later would be in the fourth inning, 94.9 mile per hour line out, uh, 347 into the gap, only at a 240 expected batting average. So it shows you the difference between the two right there. Um, yeah, Jose Ramirez has to absolutely be kicking himself. But, I mean, the real storyline for game two, uh, they do get a run early on an error uh, by Ernie Clement. They have a chance to turn two. Clement just spikes his throw. is just rushing it. Just, you know, you know, they put in Clement and Mercado in game two because it's a lefty starter. And uh, frankly, at the plate, they they did okay. They kind of handled their business at the plate. I mean, Clement is one for two at the plate. Uh, Mercado goes two for two at the plate with a double and a run scored. So, frankly, they handled their business offensively. Uh, Clement makes this error here that gives up a run in the second inning. Then in the third inning, this is when the home runs would start for the uh, Texas Rangers. And uh, it's Kirk McCarty pitching on the day. And McCarty, frankly, in his two starts, he's faced the Yankees and the Rangers, and they're two very powerful teams, and he's given up a lot of home runs. He gives up three home runs in this one. In four innings, in only four innings and 70 pitches, he's hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. Uh, so they were really pounding the ball on McCartney. He gives up eight hits over those four innings. But weirdly, it would really just be the home run ball that would give him the most trouble. Uh, so... Uh, in the third inning, it would be Simeon who would get him. It was a pitch down and in. And then in the second inning, Jonah Heim would get him at 101.3 miles per hour, 381 to the seats in left field. That was a pitch that was up. And then uh, after Duran single at 103.3 miles per hour, Nathaniel Lowe would get him at 104.6 miles per hour, 415 feet back to left center field. Um, so yeah, absolutely getting hard hit from Kirk McCarty. I don't know what, you know, McCarty, they already had the option on him. You know, they already spent the option on him. So moving him back and forth between Cleveland and Columbus is easy to do. There's some other starters down there in Columbus that frankly, I'd be interested in seeing. Uh, McCarty has been hit hard twice now. He's gotten two spot starts in Cleveland He's gotten hit hard twice. So it's not that I don't think McCartney, McCarty might have a chance uh, to make it as a starter on this team. There's just other arms that I'd be interested in seeing down there uh, in AAA. Some of these things would be difficult because, eh, you know, you don't have them on the 40-man roster yet and options, but um, we haven't seen Field yet. Uh, we haven't seen Tobias Myers yet, who is someone they got from Tampa Bay. Uh, so, yeah, so there are some names down there in AAA that, just, you know, it'd be interesting to see get a spot start, but I get that it's hard with 40-man roster stuff and options and things like that. So McCartney gets hit pretty hard here, and uh, the Rangers really jump out to a lead, and Hearn does, frankly, a great job pitching against us. Goes five and two-thirds, uh, gives up only four hits, four hard-hit balls, three earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. Um, for Taylor Hearn, it would all fall apart in that sixth inning for him. All three runs get scored in that sixth inning. Uh, the Guardians put together a nice little rally in the sixth. Mercado starts it off with a double. Straw walks behind him. Rosario singles. Ramirez would pop out. Owen Miller would line out. Naylor would walk. Uh, and then Oscar Gonzalez would get the big single with the bases loaded. Both Ahmed Rosario's single and Oscar Gonzalez's single, the two RBI singles in the inning, would be shots back up the middle. 
Of course, Oscar Gonzalez's is a hard hit ball, 95.9 miles per hour. Uh, it only had a 210 expected batting average, but it makes it through, uh, bringing in two runs to score. But unfortunately, uh, you know, Simeon would hit uh, another home run to give them another insurance run. Uh, that would come in the eighth inning. And uh, yeah, he get another pitch down and in in the eighth inning, hit it 101.5 miles per hour, 403 feet for a home run, making it a 6-3 game. So both teams, we both games, they get it to 5-3, and then the leading team gets an insurance run late to give them the 6-3 win. Uh, and the Guardians offense goes quietly in the eighth and the ninth inning. Quan would walk. Palacios would have a good at bat in the end to end the game, but unfortunately would ground out to end things. Um, so, I mean, that was, what's interesting is so many stolen bases by the Texas Rangers don't actually factor into the game. They don't, they can't turn them into runs because they don't know how to rally. All they know how to do is hit home runs. So all those stolen bases by the Texas Rangers in that second game, they don't matter at all. None of that base running mattered for Texas. It was all about the home runs for them. One run comes in early on an error and then everything else, the other five runs are all scored on home runs. So that, I mean, that was the story of game two. The bullpen, man, the bullpen got itself into some trouble, but was able to work out of it. Sandlin gets hard hit three times, but it doesn't turn into any runs. Trevor Steffen gives up two walks, but doesn't turn into any runs. Shaw gives up two walks, but it doesn't turn into any runs. Ghost gives up the solo home run, uh, but gets three strikeouts. So a weird day for him. And then Henches actually pitches a decent ninth inning, gets two strikeouts, no walks, no hits for him in the uh, top of the ninth. So a weird bullpen day. All those guys are trying to find it right now. All those guys are trying to prove that they belong in the late inning situations for this team. So it's an interesting bullpen day in game two for the Guardians. All right. Uh, I mean, that's it. Offensively, they don't do much outside of that third inning. Uh, So there's not much detail to go into here. Uh, in game two, because uh, the Rangers left no doubt with their home runs. So we'll see what happens today uh, in the finale of this thing. Can we hold the Texas Rangers down? Can we hold their power down? It's Bieber going against Dunning for the Rangers. Can Bieber control those home runs uh, from the Texas Rangers? That will be the big thing to watch. If he can, if he can limit them to one or two solo home runs, we've got a really good chance of winning this game. If they start putting up some crooked numbers with those home runs, then things are going to get a little dicey. But it feels like there's no way the Texas Rangers are coming into a game and not at least hitting a couple home runs. And it felt like Cleveland yesterday, I mean, uh, in one of these games, oh, in the game two, I think it was, Andres Jimenez flies out deep, deep, deep to center field, right up against the wall. White makes another great catch in center field. I mean, fantastic defense from both center field, all three center fielders, because uh, Rangers had a different lineup in game one. Um, great defense from all three center fielders in this game. But on, it felt like the Guardians could not get a ball out. It felt like they were using, you know, they talk about the baseballs, right? Uh, it felt like they were using different baseballs for the Rangers than the Guardians, because the Guardians, no matter how hard they hit the ball, could not get them out. Speaking of hitting the ball hard and not getting much out of it, we, we do have to talk just for a second about Oscar Gonzalez because I love that he's contributing the RBI doubles. I love that he's hitting the ball so hard, but he has weirdly hit a lot of ground balls and not a lot of fly balls 
since coming up to the majors. Now, at AAA, his ratio of ground balls to fly balls was, you know, around 1, uh, 1.85 in 2021. This year, it was at 1.34. So, you know, uh, in AA, it was 1.4. So, maybe 1.5 ground balls to every fly ball. He always had been up around a 40%-ish uh, ground ball rate. Uh, he's at 53.8 since coming to the majors, but he's not hitting a lot of fly balls. His ground ball to fly ball ratio right now is at 2.63. So a significant difference from everything he's shown in the minor leagues. Uh, he has hit a few more line drives, which is good. Those were those what those doubles were, you know, 25.6% line drives. But he's only at 20.5% fly ball rate. This is a guy that hits usually around 30 to 35% fly ball. And you can't hit a, if you don't hit a fly ball, you're not going to get the home runs. And that's what Gonzalez's thing was in the minors. He was a home run hitter. He was a, he was a contact guy, but he was also a home run hitter. And uh, I mean, last year in AAA, he was at 30% home run to fly ball ratio. Right now he's at zero because he he of all the few fly balls he's hit, uh, he has not driven a home run yet in his major league career, which is surprising. I, you know, I thought he would have one by now. So we're still on home run watch for Oscar Gonzalez. I don't know why he's hitting so many ground balls right now. Uh, you know, compared to fly balls, it's a little bit strange that it's that much of an outlier. That you know, obviously I picked up on it. The data is picking up on it. Uh, it's a serious outlier right now. So. We'll see if that's just, you know, a guy coming up to the majors and facing major league hitting for the first time. Is he trying to fit in with Chris Vileka's approach to hitting and trying to fit in with the other hitters on the team by hitting more line drives and less fly balls? And that's, you know, leading to some a lot of ground balls. Uh, it'll be interesting to see once he gets that first home run, you know, does things change? When he finally feels that first major league home run, did things change for him? Uh, you know, we get a few more fly balls. Do things change at the major league level? So, all right, that is all my thoughts on the doubleheader. It's a weird day. It really was a weird day that the games were such parallels of each other. One going in Cleveland's favor, one going in Texas's favor. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Cleveland, whether it was game one or it was game two, somebody had six, somebody had three. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game. Hey, let me know your thoughts on Oscar Gonzalez and how he's been doing to start the season. Are there any Oscar Gonzalez fans out there like me that want to see this guy succeed? Uh, we'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We can do it that way. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>